Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Timothy, come on up. This morning we have the privilege of hearing from one of our other deacons, Timothy West. Um, as you know, we celebrate many voices in this church, great preachers, great teachers, more than just one of us. There's, there's many gifts that we celebrate together, and this morning, Tim's going to be bringing us a word. So I want to mm. pray for him, and then you can just do a good job. Don't mess it up, I and uh, just you. make sure you, you deliver a good word. Father, thank you for Tim. Thank you for this amazing man of God. I pray, mm. Heavenly Father, that you would fill him right now, and Holy Spirit, that you would speak through him. Prepare our hearts for the amazing word that you want to teach us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It never ends with Marco. So yes, my name is Timothy. I'm a deacon. Uh, I'm married to Carrie. Um, For those online, I'm the face of the name that you see constantly made fun of on a weekly basis in the life of this church when Marco's preaching. I am that guy. So yeah, and that's supposedly that's true. I get made fun of because of how much I'm loved. So today we're going to look at a supernaturally empowered life. As soon as they get the slides up. And just on that slide note, um, I've worked slides for a lot in the back. I understand the tech side. Some of my notes will be on slides. Some of them will not be on slides. If they're not on slides, it doesn't mean we all have to look back at Dino and go, oh my goodness, what is he doing? That's done intentionally so that we can focus on what's at hand. So I was actually meant to preach several months ago, but Marco didn't want me to. So he, he only bumped me like three times. And so it just so happens that today, yeah, so it just so happens that I landed on today, September 19th, which is outstanding. I also have the privilege of being able to preach for the first time in front of both my mom and my dad live in the building. They, they watch faithfully online, and my mom's the main commenter. Yeah, as you can see, Jim raising his hand. My mom and Jim talk most of the service together online. My dad was a Methodist minister for many, many, many years, so I grew up uh, in a household of this type of life, though I didn't live this life for a very long time. So it's very nice just for my dad to kind of see all the work that has tirelessly gone in behind the scenes to it actually finally start bearing fruit. So initially, many, many months ago when I was asked to preach, um, what God had laid on my heart was living a spiritually aware life. I know that title freaks Marco out. That's why we had to change it. But on Thursday, I talked to Marco about saying, hey, this is what I want to preach on. This is what we're going to do. Here's the blurb for the newsletter. Da, da, da. And he was like, hey, that lines up with exactly the, one of the kingdom values called supernaturally empowered. And so it's not by accident that we are preaching this message today. It's not by accident that all that's going to happen is going to happen. And that for me is very, very encouraging. I also didn't tell Micah what songs to pick or anything like that. And it just happens that all the songs that were picked work really, really well with living this life. So, before we get started, let me pray. Not that Marco's prayer was bad, but I still want to pray, and then we'll go from, see, it's my turn. And now, um, that's right, and we got another service to go with. So, uh, Lord, we just say thank you so much uh, that we can be here today as we look at you, Jesus, as we look at what it means to live a supernaturally empowered life, which is a life all about you, Jesus. Would you anoint the words that are spoken? Would you anoint your word? Would you anoint all of our hearts so we would only hear what you would want to hear? I would only say what you would want me to say in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. So there's three points we're going to go through. It's really easy. It's going to be 
you, whenever you want to go to the slide. There. Jesus, the Bible, and obedience. So that's it. You can write those down, and service is done. No. So we're going to keep it very simple. These are the three main points I felt for this service. There are many others you can add to living a supernaturally empowered life. And as my wife has a wonderful gift of helping me, I'm a task-orientated planner. So I can overcomplicate this message, and I had a thousand points that could have gone into this. And my wife, you know the kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Have you ever heard it? Right. That's what I was told, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep it simple. (laughs) Yes, and we're going to start with point one, which is Jesus. So as we start and as we look at the supernaturally empowered life, we have to realize that it all centers around, it is all because of, and it is only possible because of who he is. And this is the point we want to labor on a lot, because if we don't have this understanding right, it doesn't matter what else we do, because we don't understand why we're doing it, we don't know who we're doing it for, it, it, it will greatly affect the outcome of the life that we live. Amen. It is all about Jesus, and it's all about what he's done, and we want to lay this foundation first. There is no other foundation that we build on. All other foundations rest on this foundation, the understanding that it is all about Jesus. If you turn or go to Colossians, we want to just establish some of the supernaturalness that Jesus did in order for us to live this life. In Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from a dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So a supernaturally empowered life is understanding that we did nothing to get to where we are, and we do nothing to stay where we are, and it is all because of what he has done. What I love about Colossians is that it's a dominion of darkness, and it's a kingdom. So a dominion is just a power and authority, right? But a kingdom is royalty. It's a kingship. It's greater than, it's bigger than a dominion. One of the... um, Commentator said this, through Christ, we were brought from a rebel kingdom and placed under the sovereignty of the rightful king. Amen. Ephesians talks a lot about how we were dead, but we are alive now. Yes. That is not something we can do. Amen. And we often hear it preached or said out there that, you know, we were drowning in Jesus through a lifeline. No, we were actually dead. Yeah. It is not, we were not able to get to where we are. The fact that we are simply sitting in these chairs or standing here worshiping or doing whatever we are doing is just a fact of supernaturalness already. Even if we decided to do nothing else with the rest of our lives, the fact that you are breathing air as a saved individual, you are living a supernaturally empowered life because it's not about you. It's because it's about Jesus who has made it supernatural. It has nothing to do with us. How we live it out, well, and we'll get to that, but the way we got here is all about him. And that's what I love about the song, Build My Life is that the foundation we build it on is Jesus. The strength of that foundation will determine the height that the building or our lives can go to. Our life is all about Jesus. The second point I wanted to go into was a way we learn about who Jesus is in this day, in this age, is his word, is the Bible. And I had a good chat with my dad bouncing this off of, is so we have the Bible, which we call the Word of God, which if we know in John 1 was from the beginning. And so the Word is actually Jesus. So again, we bring it full circle and we go, the way we live this life, the manual we've been given is the Word, is Jesus. 
And the reason I wanted to label, labor the Bible point was because I think in this day and in this age, we, we are fighting a large battle with the culture that we live in. And we hear a lot of the sayings, we need to be culturally relevant, but that generally comes at the sake of the kingdom, right? The kingdom has to be what is established. The kingdom needs to invade in and change and alter the culture of, the, of where we live and what we do. And there's a lot out there. there. There was a not, or we would like to think there wasn't the same kind of things happening that long ago, right? But one thing we sometimes tend to forget is that this word, who is Jesus, was authored and inspired by God. In 2 Timothy 3, we see that all scripture was breathed out by God. Next slide. Was breathed out by God. He did it. He authored it. He inspired it. Man wrote it down. Yes. But it came from God himself. And so we have to realize and make peace with the fact that when God wrote it, when Moses wrote the first five books, it would have been relevant today in 2021. Yeah, that's good. And if it wasn't, then it wouldn't have been written or God wouldn't have allowed it in. Yeah, so we have to hold the fact and the authority of what this word says. We also have to hold the fact that if it's breathed out by God, we do not have the authority to twist and change it. Amen. It is what it says it is. Amen. And this is what, yeah, it is what it says it is. And I know in this day and this age, a great example to use is the gender identity thing that we see going on in the world today, yeah. right? When the Bible says God made the male and female or man and woman, that's at the chromosomal level, not at the decision I get to choose what I want to be like today or tomorrow level. Right? And so what happens, though, is as loving individuals as Christians can be, we want to become all-inclusive. And so we want to make this more relevant to show those out there how much we love them to allow them in. But in doing so, this gets altered. And that's not okay. So remember, we said the foundation is Jesus. We use his word to build on top of. The strength that the foundation we build will be proportional to our belief and study of, yeah, and study of the word. So I know in churches, we often say, hey, are you having your quiet time? Or, hey, are you reading your Bible? Or, hey, are you doing these things? Or, hey, are you doing that? And yes, it can seem like a religious activity, and that will address in the next point. But if this is how we learn about who Jesus is and we grow in a relationship with him, then this is what we need to be in. And we just had a wonderful opportunity to be away in Port Aransas. We took my parents there. We were at Wendy and Chris's place. I have a million children, which is, you don't take children to a beach to rest. You can ask Lee about that. You don't go to a beach to rest with a lot of children, right? But one thing I found interesting is just in serving our parents and serving the kids and just the busyness that we had, Karen and I didn't get a lot of time to connect. We took one date night, which was fantastic. I mean, we literally drove on the beach one way until we couldn't, and then turned around and drove all the way back. And all we did was talk, and that's probably... Well, we went as far as we could. <laughs> right. See you later. Is, um, the parents got them. It's fine. We'll be back when they're 18. And that's probably the first date night we've had together for quite a long time, just because of the age of our kids, and that's not a complaint. But what was interesting is, is we did a whole lot of catching up and chatting that we have not done. And it, and it spoke volumes to me in the fact that, yes, you can live in the same house, you can share the same bed, eat at the same table, work in the same business together, and yet you can still not grow in a relationship if you don't spend time. But now we go well out of our way to spend time with the ones we love. Are we doing the same with Jesus? Just because he's not a physical person here manifested with us 
that you can take on a date to go get coffee with, we then say, oh, yeah, I'll read this occasionally. I'll do this when I need to. You know, this is a shout-out. I was hoping you'd be here. Maybe he's at the next one. Mark Batten has religiously hounded me to join his Bible study on Wednesday, and I finally have. And it's great to be around Stephen and a lot of the other men in this building studying God's Word. And what it has been so refreshing for me is it has forced me to actually now set specific time aside to not just have a daily devotion and read my one little thing. But it has, it has challenged me to actually get into the Word. Another challenge I'll set before you that my dad set for me many years ago. So how I normally start my quiet time, and it's, been, it's just been wonderful how you might miss a week or... God intertwines it and it works out. As I start with one, I take a psalm a week. Um, so I'm on Psalm 63. So I've been doing it for 63 weeks. I've missed two weeks. I'm technically behind two weeks. And so I take it, I read it, and I pray in it. And, and, and it's been amazing to see how my relationship with Christ has changed and how the situations in the world are answered in the Bible. And, and I'm, there's no plan. It's not like I decided to read this the day COVID was announced. But it's just a habit that what I read that day talked about God's supremacy and who he is and, and the, that nothing can stop him. And that, that wasn't orchestrated by me. That was a God thing. Amen. So yes, we know that the life, a supernatural empowered life is all about Jesus. But it also has to be all about his word, which is all about Jesus. Amen. It's a big full circle. We cannot negate the word of God. I don't even know where I am anymore. Okay. So, we've had two points. We've had Jesus. It's all about because, for, through, from. It has everything to do with Jesus, right? A supernaturally empowered life, the life that we live. Number two is that the Bible is inspired, authoritative word of God. It is who Jesus is. And we must not water it down. We have no authority. We have no right to twist or change it. It is relevant today as it was when it was written, as it is written. Right? Good. Good. That's right. So the third point, and this is where I want to stay for a little bit, is a supernaturally empowered life. We're, so we, we're following Jesus. We love Jesus. We're reading his word. We can have those two aspects. And if we decide not to follow them, well, then what kind of life are we living? So I, I highly encourage you to read Ephesians. And I was going to read it out here, but I, I just think it, right now that's not what's needed. Ephesians 2 talks a lot about, like I said, going from death to life. Ephesians is a great book. The first three chapters are a kind of this establishment of what we as Christians should believe, and the last three are kind of how we should live it out, right? Everything from family, personal, church, all of these things, right? Paul wrote it to the Ephesians. It's a great, great book. However, if you look in Revelations 2, there, which is about, written about 40, 35 to 40 years after Paul wrote the letters to, to the Ephesians, here, I'll read it. Let's go, to, let's go to Revelations 2. I'm not going to skip over this one. So Revelations 2, 2 says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. Verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So that's all the positive things that this church did. But if you've noticed, or this group of people, believers, is that's all activities, right? Physical things that they've done. They resisted. They've stood up for what they believe was the truth. They've done all of these things. Yet Jesus then calls them out in verse 4, but you have forsaken 
your first love. So they were doing the activity without the love or the relationship, right? Jesus' love language is obedience. In John 10 and in John 14, we see, if my sheep, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. In John 14, you will know my love or you'll, you will love me when you follow my commands and you will, yeah, you'll love me when you follow my commands. So the challenge is, are we just going through motions or do we have a relationship in love with Jesus living this supernatural life? What would he say about the lives that we have and that we are living? And I don't want to negate that in this day and age, being obedient to Jesus isn't necessarily easy, right? So I haven't, I haven't been through all the hardships that people can be through. I've put a lot of people through a lot of hardships. And I've been through, my mother laughed. Did you hear that? That's ridiculous. It, you could actually hear it on the recording probably. It was so loud. That's horrible. <laughs> so I have put people through a lot of hardships, right? And so I'm not negating that life is easy. And I'm not negating that walking a supernatural life is easy. But Jesus wants our obedience. However, if obedience is love and we're growing in a relationship with him, it should come as a natural response to who he is. Because obedience is one of those words thrown around in the Christian circles that's that checklist to do. Many people have been hurt in many churches because they weren't obedient or they weren't following the rules or the regulations or whatever the orthodox orthodoxity, whatever that word is, was set out for the people to have to do in order to, to show that they love Jesus. Being obedient to Jesus comes out of a heart of love. So most of the Ephesian Christians were not, were a second generation. So 40 years after the book of Ephesians was written, second generation, and they had retained the purity of doctrine and life had maintained a high level of service, but they were lacking a deep devotion to Christ. So what is the challenge that it comes down to obedience? Why are we not obedient? Why does my son not listen to me when I tell him to stop speaking while he's talking to me and then he's still talking while I'm trying to talk to him? What, like, why, why are we not obedient? Yeah, I, I love my son, Charlie, but he does that often. So he comes to me and asks me a question, or I'm trying to answer it, and he's asking another one, or he's, I'm trying to correct him, and he's still talking over me. How often do you think that, that happens when, with Christ? Where he, we're like, hey, Lord, can you do this? Can you? And he's like, I'm trying to talk to you. Can you, can you just be quiet for five minutes? And then we, we last three minutes because our phone goes off, and then we've lost, we've lost what's going on. And so, human emotion and fear and anxiety is normal. We're allowed, to be hum- we're allowed to be emotional. We're allowed to have feelings, but not at the cost of being obedient. And that's where it gets difficult. Because it's very easy to be up here and say, hey, we need to go out and tell the world to know Christ and make him known. And then I'm standing in the line behind somebody. And Port Aransas is a wonderful place. The people are weathered like the place is weathered, I guess is a really nice way to, to say that and keep it as G-rated as possible. They're just very different people than what we're used to. But if Jesus says, would you please go speak to that person, you're going, hey, but how do I relate to them? How do I, what am I going to look like? How's this going to make me feel? Me, 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 me. We're not actually representing this kingdom. We are not walking in that supernaturally empowered life. And that issue of having our emotions rule and reign us is a thing that's happened through all of scripture. 
and and this is what I wanted to look at, or when I told Marco, hey, we were going to spend quite a bit of time looking at the disciples. It's changed changed a little bit, but I do want to mention some of the stuff and, and help us think about their humanity. I love reading the Bible and thinking about the disciples of like, what would happen if I was in that situation? So take this as an example. You're out in a desolate place, the Bible says, desolate. So there's nothing. There's no food, right? So the 12 disciples are like, hey, and I'm a planner. That's what I do for business. So I'm organizing. I'm already thinking three days ahead. So, hey, Jesus, there's no food here. There's nothing. It's days to find food. These people aren't going to make it home. You need to send them away. And so Jesus' response was, why don't you feed them? It's a, it's a desolate place. Did we, did we miss that one? Like, I, we, there is no food here. Nothing. And the Bible says there are 5,000 men. The commentators say there's probably between 15 to 25,000 people. But we're just going to go with the number 5,000 because it's still amazing then. Right, so now there's 5,000 people. So Jesus says, hey, what do we have to eat? Five loaves and two fish. And this is not the world's largest loaf of bread. These are small little, small little loaves and not very big fish, right? So Jesus says, bring those to me. He prays. So now try to live through this next experience. He gives it to the disciples. And if you work out the math, each disciple, if this is the way it worked, would have been responsible for feeding, if there were only 5,000 people, 420 people. So the bread and the fish get broken up between 12 of them and they get sent out. Now you're one of the disciples and your group's about 500 people in the back. So now you're walking to that group going, how's this going to work? Like, I mean, there were five loaves so now everything's been cut down into less than half, right? How on earth is this going to, how is this going to make me feel? These people are going to think Jesus is an idiot. They're going to think, I'm an idiot. Oh my goodness, this is never going to work. Jesus asked me to do it. Let's just keep doing it. Like, they must have had those rational, they must have had those conversations with themselves. Or, okay, I would have, for sure. This is never going to work out. But yet they had 12 baskets when they were done. Right? It happened again with the 4,000. Exactly the same. I love the disciples. Exactly. Hey, Jesus, we're in a desolate place. We have no food. Why don't you feed them? Like, I just love that. I wish, yeah, I wish there was more, like, dialogue in the Bible. They would have, you know, Jesus could look at them and probably was like, two days ago, and there, was less, there were more people then. And we have more food this time than we did that time. We'll be okay. But the disciples were constantly focused on the natural. Yeah. And hey, this is what we have. This is what it might make me feel like. Where Jesus was all about the, the spiritual, the supernatural. And, and working through those situations. And then if you look back and through the rest of the Bible, there are many other stories. Esther's another great story. She did nothing wrong other than she was born a female and in the time period she was born in. The one that done messed up is Vashti, Queen Vashti, because she was disobedient. She got killed, and now all of a sudden, because of that mistake, Esther now gets taken, concubine. So now think of what's going through her mind. Hey, I was just a little girl, and now I'm being married off to the king. But because God had a plan and a purpose in that, she continued to follow him, she continued to seek him, and she ended up saving an entire nation. doesn't say a race. Same with Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Joseph. We have the ability to see the end from the beginning. Yeah. But they were in, Daniel was in the lion's den. Yeah. Right? In the lion's den. So it would have smelt, rotting flesh, all those things. And he's like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tell Nebuchadnezzar, even if God doesn't save us, we will still not. Hallelujah. So there was no compromise on what they believed, who they believed Jesus God was, Good. and what they were holding to. They continued to follow after him. 
And so the problem I think we have, I have with obedience is we want it to work. So yes, Lord, I'm going to be obedient because I want it to look like this when it's done. Right, so I'm going to go and talk to this lady and it's, she's going to get saved. Meanwhile, she chews you out. Right, so, th- so that's what we don't want. But that's not what Jesus asked you to worry about. He said, just go and talk to them. And so even though the outcome may hurt or maybe something we don't want, we are still needing to follow after Jesus. I wanted to say obligated almost. If you are a, a gun owner or you work in certain industries like mining or oil, I could see Marco freaking out and I say gun owner, um, or you've gone through gun training, there's a thing called situational awareness that they take you through, which is, they have an acronym called SLAM. Stop, look, analyze, and manage. So it's this thing of, hey, what's going to happen? What could go wrong? How can I plan for it? And then how do I alleviate that situation happening? And I was thinking a lot about that in relation to these situations when we hear Jesus go, hey, I'm calling you too. Or hey, you need to go and do this. And that could be talking, it could be moving to somewhere, it could be leading a different worship song, it could be preaching a different message. When you, it could be a list of whatever God wants it to be. But what do we do in those situations? So those three points I had, I lied. There is actually one more. And I think a supernaturally empowered life is a life of prayer. So an acronym that I took, if, if you know me, I like, you know, the five P's of power, or the seven S's of salvation or whatever they can be. I love those kind of things. So I made a spiritual awareness instead of a situational awareness. And you can go to that slide, Dina. And so it's pray. So when we get into these situations or when we feel God asking us to do things, just take a moment and pause. Just cancel all the noise around you. Take a moment to review what God is asking you. Thinking about the natural outcomes. For sure, hey, let's say God's calling me to move to Austin, Texas. Yeah, but I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Currently on sabbatical in South Africa. And look, he, he called Karen and I to come and support. So there's lots of concerns we had to weigh up. No, you know. And so God called us to come to Austin, Texas to support them. But we had to think, hey, so that means moving back from South Africa, getting to um, Milwaukee and going from Milwaukee all the way down to here with no job, nothing lined up. So that's in the natural. So we ask God, what do you want us to do? No, I want you to go and support them. When do you want us to go? When I tell you to. Okay. And we're living with my parents. And my parents are like, Jesus said no. <laughs> right. It's the middle, middle of winter. He said it a long time ago. You've missed it. Please just go. And so we decided that the best day to leave was the th- six hours before like the apocalyptic snowstorm. Like with the snowstorm we had here was nothing. We were literally half a day ahead of an entire ice storm that followed us almost the whole way down to Austin. Sorry. Right, right, but compared, right, the storm here was traumatizing, right. But we had to ask God, and God said go, and then we had to act, right? So when we find these situations and these scenarios that we're in, I'm not saying that, again, emotions don't matter. We all have emotions. We all have things that we need to live in and live through and experiences that we've had from the past. But don't let that negate being obedient to God. Sorry, Mike, if you guys want, you guys can get up whenever you, I was meant to say that a while ago, I apologize. And like I said, we have the ability to see the end from the beginning. So you look at Esther, you look at Daniel, you look at Joseph, David, all these guys, Paul, all these guys, they, well, Paul was killed. So so the outcome of his life at the very, very end was death. 
But living his life, he didn't necessarily know that that's 100% what was going to happen. Looking at Daniel and all these guys, in the moment, they had no idea how it was going to end or how they were going to get through it. But a supernaturally empowered life is not a life about yourself. It's about what Jesus is asking you to do. I'm going to end with this. Um, The story of the disciples walking on the water is one of my favorite. So, you know, they see what they think is a ghost. I love that Mark's rendition of it is Jesus was actually going to try to pass them by. I can imagine in my head, I was like, it's a race. We're going to see who's going to get to the other side first. Jesus is on the water. They're in a boat. They're in a storm. They freak out. Peter calls them. Jesus says, come. Peter gets out, walks on water. Amazing. As long as he's focused on Christ, he's fine. As soon as he looks at the situations around him, he begins to drown. But I love that Jesus didn't stop the storm then. Because in my mind, I'd be like, all right, you can stop it so you can be okay. He picks them up while he's still in the storm, and they walk together. The storm only stops when Jesus got back in the boat. And the challenge I had was, I think in a lot of our lives and our situations, we've forgotten to invite Jesus back into the boat. So we're doing a lot of the right things. We're doing all the right actions. We're helping people go through tough situations. We're being obedient to what God has said. And we're doing some of it with him and some of it in our own strength. And I think sometimes we just need to pause. We need to say, Lord, will you come back into this situation and you stop the wind and the rain and the storm? We cannot do any of it on our own in any shape, way, or form. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.